0: Looking into, we're going to do a number of these things throughout the, uh, the year and maybe years to come, but looking into is where we are, and today we're going to look into being together. So the, the spirit of Christmas, we've just come through Christmas, spirit of Christmas doesn't always look like it's portrayed on film, no surprise. It doesn't even always look like it's portrayed in church sometime. The, the images of actual Christmas, they seem to be mixed up and they maybe even seem contradictory To us in some ways. It's an unwed woman who carries God. It's the pagans from the East who recognize God. It's the workers in the field who hear from God. It's the marginalized neighborhood that welcomes God. It's God who chooses the lowly and the broken to rise. Christmas is here. It's still here. So let hope in. This is the way. This this is the way of our new year. It's not a new way, but a new commitment to the way. Now, we find that in Hebrews chapter 10, starting at verse 22. Let us draw near to God with a sincere heart and with the full assurance that faith brings having our hearts sprinkled to cleanse us from a guilty conscience and having our bodies washed with pure water. 23, let us hold unswervingly to the hopes that we profess for he who promised is faithful. 24, and let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds. 25, not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another. And all the more as you see the day approaching. In that passage, the opposite of neglect, meeting together, in Hebrews, it it isn't meet together. The opposite is, but encourage one another. Your presence is supposed to be encouraging. And this insight is, is deep and it's incredibly timely as we continue to deal with a pandemic and what that means for our gatherings and gatherings in general. And our gatherings, whether they are in person or whether they're online or whether a hybrid version of both, are to be places where everyone is encouraged and encourages. Merely being in the same room in the same space ain't the goal, baby. Mutual edification. Mutual encouragement is the goal. It's the directive. It is the way. And in into one, we have worked hard. And we're not done working hard on figuring out how to make church online work and church on Main Street work. And it's tricky and it's significant and it's worth the effort. It's worth the expense. It's worth the time. But here's the truth. It's not just a problem for church leadership to wrestle with and solve. It is an issue for each of us to wrestle with and participate. Ask the question, what can I do? But answer the question, what what might I add? To bring about the encouragement of the body. Will, will it be through volunteering? Is it going to be connecting maybe before and after the service? Participating in the chat feed? W- in what ways, new ways, old ways, may I behave generously to the church family, to my church family? Generosity and time, treasure and talent, all of these things, and not just one of them, and not just some of them. What will I do, not could I do, what will I do to bring about the effective gathering of the people of God? What will I do to encourage others even as I come to receive encouragement? We believe in the faith and the practice of that faith, interacting with each other. The church is a family. It is not like a family, but a real spiritual family of brothers and sisters who love each other and have real obligations to one another. The model of family interactions goes even farther. Perhaps we could look at these interactions as a similar way to the way that we think about marriage. We choose our marriage partners largely, uh, our life partners, and we, we, we choose, in many cases, we choose our church family also, at least the local expression of it. It even goes so far as to be you get married to the whole family. And you say, you know what? I only wanted that one. (laughs) But I got all these ones as well. We are still family. We can't tell Jesus that we love him and that we hate his wife. The bride of Christ is the church. We are the bride and we have to work at our relationships being together. So a great marriage is the result of the union of two great forgivers. The people of God, in one sense, are known as the forgiven. But in another, maybe more powerful, more transformative way, the people of God make a way in the desert for the coming king. They proclaim and they display the king and his kingdom. The people of God are known by themselves to be the forgiven. But they breathe life into the kingdom when they behave as forgivers. We do not need to train and learn the skills to wage war with our culture. Making disciples does not equal making culture warriors. Cultural warriors, they take up arms against others. Disciples lay down their lives for others. This is the way. This is the way of Jesus. We need to embody well that culture that we truly represent, the culture of the kingdom that King Jesus has established. Together, we need to find out what to do. How are we going to do this to lay down our swords? Whatever it is our swords are. How to daily pick up our cross. What does that look like for you? To bear the burdens of others. To love our neighbors well. Who's my neighbor? And here's to the brave ones who are out there. You who are trying to be what you didn't see. You are modeling a way of being that was never modeled to you. Hats off to you. Keep it up. And as I look at the way the pandemic and and all the the racial and the gun violence and all the talk, it continues to destroy lives. The common heartbreaking thread is that we value our personal freedoms too much to take any real substantive action. Our will to pursue the common good is stunted and anemic. For too many of us are known more for our whining and our complaining than for our rejoicing and our gladness. We are the people of God, saved from eternal separation from God, chosen, met by God, forgiven, and we are gifted and we are provided for. Our God came to us he came for us joy to the world how quickly we forget and then self-pity spoils the garments of christ's bride kindness is the most significant sign of spiritual transformation it is the one fruit to rule them all love is the essence and shared love smells like kindness. Weave kindness into your habits and into your goals. Be boldly kind. Be fearlessly kind. A.B. Simpson, he's the founder of our family of churches, the Alliance, said long ago at the end of the 19th century, we're due for a gospel that drives out fear rather than depends on it. It is for freedom that Christ has come. And too much over the last couple of years has come from our churches that drives on fear instead of driving off fear. We push away fear with hope and trust in Jesus. Now, on earth, we've all come to the radical conclusion we can't be sinless, but we all know that we can sin less, a lot less. 1 John 1, 8, if we claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves. And the truth, not in us. Nine, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just. You can trust him. He will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. Ten, if we claim that we have not sinned, we make him out to be a liar. And his word is not in us. That's an eyes up focus on Jesus. Focus on him and trust him. Then live like we trust him. Live in faith, live in trust, live in hope. Let your joy be evident to all. Living in hope and joy and trust and kindness is a life focused on learning to live life like Jesus. The path that pursues Christ-likeness is frequently called discipleship. It means intentionally being a student of Jesus, what He taught and how He lived signing up for the classes, attending the classes, pursuing the studies, doing the homeworks, uh, working through the practical labs. Discipleship means asking, what does God love that I'm tempted to hate? What does God hate that I'm tempted to love? What does God want me to let go that I'm tempted to grip onto? What does God want me to grip onto that I'm tempted to let go? These are self-assessment questions, a great way to start a new year, to help start your new year the right way, on the right foot, with properly focused goals. Work them into whatever else it is that you've got as your resolutions, but let's focus our minds wisely And so to help you with that, I have three truths that Christians believe that empower trust and joy. And who doesn't want more trust and joy, honestly? First, our bad things will turn out for good. Romans 8, 28. And we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love Him, who have been called according to His purpose. Second, the good things we have can never be taken away from us. Romans 8, 29. For those, who God, for those God foreknew, He also predestined to be conformed to the image of His Son, that He might be the firstborn among many brothers and sisters. 30, that He predestined. He also, those He predestined, He also called. Those He called, He also justified. Those He justified, He also glorified. 31, what then? shall we say in response to these things, if God is for us, who can be against us? Romans 8.37, No, in all these things we are more than conquerors through Him who loved us. 38, for I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers 39, neither height nor depth nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Third, the best things are yet to come. Romans 8, 18. I consider that our present sufferings are not worth comparing with the glory that will be revealed in us. 19, for the creation waits in eager expectation for the children of God to be revealed. 20, for the creation was subjected to frustration, not by its own choice, but by the will of the one who subjected it in hope. 21, that the creation itself will be liberated from its bondage to decay and brought into the freedom and glory of the children of God. Even our lousy things can be transformed into good. And our all-powerful, omnipotent, all-knowing, omniscient, unchanging, immutable God is creatively reworking all things. All things according to his purposes. it, It doesn't matter why someone else did what they did. God is working even that into the tapestry of his good purposes for us. Like Joseph in, uh, in Genesis, we could say, what you intended to harm me, but God intended it for good to accomplish what is being done, the saving of many lives. Nothing that God has given us for our good can ever be taken away. We are more than conquerors. And no thing, nothing can separate us from the love of God. What we see now is not the end. The best is yet to come. What we hope for and live in light of that hope now. Now it's an act of faith, a deliberate step of trust, to live in light of these truths that we might live out the life of Christ to which we have been called right now. So, to us to live as those who are in Christ's kingdom, we have to live under the laws of that place primarily. We follow the values of that kingdom before any other. So as Paul, the Apostle Paul, he's helping uh, establishing a church on the island of Crete. Uh, He had installed pastor Titus, and Titus is facing no small amount of challenge with the Cretans. Uh, Paul uh, reminds Titus that one of Crete's own prophets has said about them. And frankly, you got to hear this. This is not remotely flattering, but the, the prophet was from Crete, and what he said about his own people was that they are always liars, evil brutes, lazy gluttons, and then Paul, just at the end of, after he says that, this is my quote, he goes, that saying is true. Oh, that's brutal, right? What kind of an assessment is that? But I suppose there are some some descriptions like that that might feel like they apply to us in our culture as well. So later on in Titus chapter 3, when Paul gives his recommendations, his reminders to Titus, they might also very aptly apply to us in our culture. Titus chapter 3, verse 1. Remind the people to be subject to rulers and authorities, to be obedient, to be ready to do good, whatever is good, to slander no one, to be peaceable and considerate, and always to be gentle toward everyone. Be obedient, be ready to do what is good. Slander no one in person or online. Be peaceable. Be considerate. Be gentle toward everyone. This strong biblical counsel to Christians here, but Christians everywhere. We might even be able to to consider that following these directions, that could be our New Year's resolution. So, In a world where we are constantly reminded that we can be anything, be kind. Sometimes being kind feels unsafe, and I totally understand that. Sometimes we feel like we need to protect ourselves, and and the the act of being kind feels like weakness and vulnerability. We say, it just just doesn't seem like it's going to work out. Like, if we behave or believe like that, it's not going to work out like that. No one else is doing that. They wouldn't do that to me. I mean, in the past, they've shown themselves to actually be cruel. And so for us, the path forward seems crooked and it seems unclear. What do I do when I feel unsafe pursuing kindness, pursuing Christ? Proverbs chapter 3, verse 5, Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. 6. In all of your ways, submit to Him, and He will make your paths straight. It's simple. It is not easy. Choose to trust God even when you don't understand. True faith, genuine faith is just that. It's not faith in faith. It's faith in God. It's placing your trust in a person. Trust Jesus. He is faithful and he is just. Your life choices are your own and they will always be your own. So when somebody else does not behave as you think is right, remember to model your responses on the responses of Jesus. Jesus never blamed pagans for acting like pagans. But he did regularly call out religious people like me for acting like self-righteous hypocrites. We might have our own issues to deal with, but never forget the bigger one, the larger one, the issue of mission, both local and international. Romans 13, 11, and do this, understanding the present time. The hour has already come for you to wake up from your slumber because our salvation is nearer now than when we first believed. 12, the night is nearly over. The day is almost here, so let us set aside the deeds of darkness and put on the armor of light. 13, let us behave decently as in the daytime not in carousing and drunkenness and sexual morality in sexual immorality and debauchery and in dissension not in jealousy 14 rather clothe yourselves with the lord jesus christ and do not think about how to gratify the desires of the flesh this is not an admonition to our government this is not a command to everyone you meet This is not uh, to, to point your finger and wag it at anyone else. This message is a message directly to you. You do these things. You behave this way. You live as if the King reigns in your heart. You embody the beauty that is the way of Christ. Live it passionately, even if no one else ever does. You live this way. In spite of everything else going on around and everything else that people are doing, you live the cruciform Christ life. This is the way. This is your resolution. Please point others towards him. Please live in such a way that the beauty of Christ shines from you. You keep faithfully pointing Jesus, You keep praying that Jesus would send His Holy Spirit to influence and to woo those around you. The spirit of into one is largely the unity given by Christ through the power and leading of the Holy Spirit. Unity doesn't require us to set aside our differences, but it does require us to do the hard work of love when we have differences. In the Gospel of Luke, the prodigal son, uh, he doesn't return home because of a renewed love for his father. He comes back home simply to survive because he ran out of money and he's starving. And his father is perfectly fine with that. Just come home. God, God just wants you to come home. Call others to come home. Christmas is is no time for the church to be more cynical than the world. So let's stop complaining about the world and reach it instead. Give an alternative that is worth choosing. Live in such a way that that alternative becomes desirable and clear. This, this is the way. Walk in it. Father, I thank you for the grace that you showed in sending Jesus to earth. The grace that you show to people who don't listen to you at all. Thank you for the grace that you have shown to me when I have ignored what I know clearly to be true. Thank you for your mercy in not giving me what I have deserved. Thank you for your grace in giving me what I clearly don't deserve. As I stand at the, the opening to 2022, there is a message that we could bond together to share. As we point to Jesus, to point to the one who loved us so much that he sent his son to earth He did not come to condemn us but to save us and to save us from a life of bondage into a life of freedom. May we live well in our freedom, never selfishly, but always willing to share this truth, this reality with those who are around us. For my friends who are listening both here and afar, meet them today. Lord Jesus, I pray, remind them of who you are. Wash clean any of our misconceptions. Re-educate us to understand who you are and what it is that you are about. You have been misrepresented so many times, both outside the church and sometimes from within the church. As we start this new year, May we understand clearly what it is you have for us. The blessing that you have offered up on our behalf. Remind us of that even this morning. Amen.